Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, kids. For this week's interview, um, I am super excited. <laughs> he is, he is. And I believe Mr. Grizzly is as well. Uh, if you've been uh, following us for a while, uh, we've actually talked about him before uh, during our interview with Colin Hodgson. Uh, he's someone that uh, we admire very much uh, because... Uh, his passion for the sport is its is, second to none. Absolutely. I, Dude, I got inci- excited about the sport because watching you and the way you report on it, I was like, okay, this this man is passionate about this. Yeah. I I can dig it. I have, and, and that's the honest to goodness truth. I have never seen anybody more passionate about the sport in my life. And it you got me interested in it. And, I, and I've been around it my whole life, but I can't tell you a lot about it, okay? And that's the honest-to-goodness truth. But, I've, you know, Ed Wernick and the boys, you know, I go back to those days. I'm, you know, I'm 53 in a couple of weeks, so I'm getting a little bit older. So, yeah, you, you the way you report, the way you are so passionate about the sport just br- it brought me in. I'm like, hey, I can, I can dial into this. Yeah, yeah, anybody who has that much passion for something... It's got to be worthwhile as far as I'm concerned. Yep, absolutely. So uh, I'm going to maybe just slide in maybe a bit of an objection as being being the most passionate about the sport. Yes. <laughs> but <clears throat> that's not the point. It's not a competition. Anyway, no, no, no. Uh, he's a brilliant interviewer mm-hmm. um he gets at things that nobody else gets at he asks questions that nobody else asks um he's he's just mind-blowingly good uh so you know we're actually we got a bio you know what? we're not going to do that we're just going to go right into it yes. uh, this guy he, he, you're gonna love him okay so it's <laughs> devin haru <laughs> you uh, and if you've ever listened uh, to his podcast, uh, you will know exactly what Mr. Grizzly's talking about here. So, welcome, Devin. Thank you so much. Indeed, sir. Douglas, Paul, thank you. Um, how do I follow that? Um, <laughs> Feel free, man. This is a free flow form. We don't, uh, we don't, we don't categorize or put anything into a box here. It's like let's just have a chat. So here's what I'll start with upon reflection of listening to you. And please, I mean, you're showering me with these compliments and I'm flattered by it and humbled by it. Um, When I hear people tell me about the way they consume how I cover curling, it is mind blowing to me that it resonates in the way and the essence that I want it to be consumed. So to me, that hits me in the heart because here's the thing about it. Growing up in Saskatchewan where, you know, long, cold winter nights, we've got the curling rinks and that's where we gather. 
at the heart of all of this is community. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're really actually talking about. We're talking about community. To me, sport has always been, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but sport has always been about the collective experience. So I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now, because when I know there's a big curling game on that Canadians are invested in, I hunker down and I know for the next three hours, every keystroke is going to matter to Canada and beyond for that matter. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing better for me than knowing that I get hundreds, thousands of people who are living and dying on every tweet. To me, it's magic. It happened, it started four years ago. I went into the CBC Sports Studio. I had a couple of bosses who didn't get curling, didn't really know it, Mm -hmm. didn't probably grasp what I was trying to convey that I wanted to do. I pitched them that I'm going to the Scotties in St. Catharines. I'm going to the Briar in St. John's. I don't think a lot of people wanted me to be successful because they didn't really know. They didn't get it. Started live tweeting curling with capital letters, sometimes exclamation points, a lot of times typos. And now I have my own show, a national, international following. And I think I have the best job in the world. So that's how I'll start. <laughs> that's a heck of a way to start. I mean, the passion comes through in every tweet. I mean, it, And honest to goodness, I mean, seeing you live on the CBC and then reading some of your tweets, I'm like, I, I'm suddenly interested in curling. <laughs> that's what, that's only what I would ever want. And, and. And to that point, it's curling, right? I mean, we're watching 40 plus pounds of granite slide up and down sheets and people yelling at rocks and sweeping. It's quintessentially sort of quirky Canadian. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I get that. I get how niche the audience is. And I play the hell out of that because Mm -hmm. that's relatable. That's fun. I try not to take myself too seriously because Lord knows some sports people out there take themselves very seriously. I ain't that. I'm here for a good time. I'm here for curling. I'm here for engagement. And that's how we bring people into the sporting Mm -hmm. journey. Go, go find out who did a fourth, you know, a fourth line gift. Go find out all the sports cliches. That ain't me. Mm -hmm. I'm here to entertain. I'm here to be your best friend for three hours during a curling game. We all geek out on something, right? We all have an inner geek. And it's like, I mean, let's face it. Curling is, it's, it's gotta be one of the geekiest (laughs) sports. I mean, you know, you've got angles and geometry and all that kind of stuff, but you know, it's also like, I mean, just, the, the bad jokes around the table and the trash talk and the gentle ribbing and like all in good fun. It's, it's, but- it's Douglas, it's also really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, like a great curling shot, the point, yes. the, the, the just be being able to collect yourself. Here's what I say about curling. It's talking about geeking out. Yeah. Go, go, go. There are a lot of sports, maybe golf, maybe a couple of other sports off the top of my mind, where in the most pressure-packed moments, you have to actually slow your adrenaline down. You don't get to use all those hormones and adrenaline Mm -hmm. and all that energy coursing through your body, like a football player or a hockey player plowing through somebody. You actually have 
to calm your heart rate down and deliver with more precision than any other sport. To me, that is beauty in sport. That is athleticism. Come at me, anybody who wants to tell me curling isn't a sport. I mute those people on Twitter immediately. We don't even engage in that conversation. See, see, see I'm, I'm right with you. It's like, okay, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry, Mr. Goes, we're, we're geeking out here. Okay. Because like, when they ask me about curling, what is it, right? First of all, it's a sport you can have your entire life. Right. right? Yeah. You can yeah. play. Like, you can it's blow true. out your knee at football. You can like this. But curling is like, you, you, if you can hold a stick, if you can sit in a wheelchair, you can play. You're right. right. It's yep. like, you can play. So it's like, it's, you can play your whole lifetime. Like golf this you can start you can learn the basics and then after that it's a lifetime to master because the ice is always different that's it like this you know the temperature like this just everything it's just always different you have good days you have bad days it's like football in that it's an any given sunday game yep Mm -hmm. right oh i mean listen if if you if you draw the button once a month in the league beer league curling you're coming back for another five seasons like let's be honest (laughs) (laughs) right and then it has like all the like you say all the mastery and control of your body i mean a difference of two tenths of a second Mm -hmm. in a slide and you know what two tenths of a second feels like when you slide like right. this, you're you're so hyper aware of your body that you know that it's it's mind blowing. Yep. Then you got the chess element. That's on ice, baby. Yeah. You like this. Yeah. Like, and then the tennis element. Two come in, one yeah. come out, yep. and like this. And you're like, you know, you're doing something, and then it's like, well, it's not the other team's not it doesn't have a strategy to counter you. You know, right? So it's like they're not going to cooperate. Right? This is so, making I mean, me so happy right now. Paul, are you still with us? I'm still very much with you. Uh, I mean, watching uh, Rachel Homan throw a rock the entire length of the ice and slide it with with like millimeters on either side and get it right. I'm like. How the hell did she do that? I mean, I'm watching it on television and you're going, holy crap, you know, that's amazing. And look at the way, and then you look at her perspective, forget it, forget it. Like, I I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. Kids, it's your eager beaver here. And I'm just so happy that so many of us have gotten vaccinated, that we're doing what we need in order to you know, protect ourselves from COVID, not spread it and stop it from mutating because it's really important that we do that. 70% of us have gotten our first shot and over 56% of us have gotten our second. This is good. This is really good. Canada's really going for the gold, but about 6 million of us are still unvaccinated who are eligible and everybody in Canada who is 11 years of age and younger is still not vaccinated. So we're not done yet. Mr. Grizzly? Well, you know, science is your friend. Talk to your doctor if you have concerns. And for those who have probably read something on social media somewhere or seen something in a video of a YouTube or something of that sort telling you that there's metal in the uh, vaccine or that it's an experiment that was rushed to market just to, you know, try and handle the pandemic, I can tell you unequivocally that is not true. There's no 5G chip there isn't because that technology doesn't exist to insert into a human being through a vaccine number one there is no metal in the vaccine number two and it's not new remember SARS in Toronto about 17 18 years ago almost 19 years ago now that was a coronavirus this is SARS-CoV-2 
It's a variation of the same thing. They have been researching diligently for almost 20 years with the latest state-of-the-art technological, scientific, and medical advances. Do not worry about the vaccine from that standpoint. It is completely safe. I myself, fully vaccinated, and I'm allergic to everything there is under the sun. So if I had the uh, strength and lack of fear to get this, I was actually quite excited to get the vaccine. Please, if you are doubting yourself, just talk to your doctor. They know best. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's a matter of culture, talk to someone that you know and that you trust. Absolutely. That's received the vaccine. I know that there's a lot of people that are still hesitant and, and many for very valid reasons. And that is okay. But please, please, please. The Delta variant is 1.8 times more communicable and especially in close settings. And there are such things as breakthrough infections. If you're around anyone 11 years of age or younger, the elderly, someone who's immunocompromised, or someone who can't take the vaccine for a legitimate medical reason. You run the risk of uh, making somebody else sick, and I know nobody wants to do that, right? Yeah, so please, 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 please do what you need to do to keep the tribe alive. Hell yeah. I love that you said watching it on television. To me, there isn't a better sport. There isn't a made-for-TV sport better than curling. Mm -hmm. We're talking about these athletes mic'd up. Sure, Benny Hebert drops an F-bomb. But (laughs) who hasn't dropped an F-bomb after a missed (laughs) shot in sports, right? Yeah, exactly. Hello. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, So, listen, uh, it's, it's beautiful to watch on TV. In fact, I love watching Curly on, on TV. When I go to Bonspiels to cover it mm-hmm. on the media bench, I'm watching it, but I have a monitor right beside me showing me all those angles. You don't know how many media around the world I've had to educate on the mm-hmm. game. My mm-hmm. favorite story is a New York Times reporter uh, coming to London, Ontario for the Continental Cup ahead of the Pyeongchang Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy. Hadn't seen a damn game of curling in his life. And he got there. We got him there. But I mean, I often wonder if you're watching this sport for the first time, what? Nope. Yeah, it's confusing <laughs> as hell. Nope. Yeah. 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 It's absurd. What are these people doing? Why, why are you yelling? Why is the ice so dirty? <laughs> Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you could come from, you could, you know, be a caveman and brought in and see two people right. playing soccer and go, okay, put ball there. Sense. I get right. that. Hockey, put black thing there. Okay. Football, maybe less so. Rugby, sure. Get ball over line. Curling, Gronk <laughs> not know what doing. Right? Like this. And then you're sitting there like this and you're watching. It's like, that was a good shot, right? It's like, no, no, that no, was, that was terrible. Oh. It's like it's two inches too deep. It's like, what? but they took the rocket. Yeah, but if no. you, put, it's just but like, then, it, but they're gonna do this, and then that's gonna happen, and then they're gonna do this, and the end is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, it's, it's a sport with a a truckload of strategy, um, psychology. It's, it's chess. It's darts. 
it's um, checkerboard, wins. it's it's a multitude of sports. And yeah. again, it's these are professional athletes today. This is not like it was 40 years ago. Cigarette hanging out of the mouth, beer in one hand. It's not like that. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they strict diet, strict workout routines. They don't joke around. And, you know, the evolution of the game, you talk about the ranch. I mean, yep. there it's a fascinating tale when you look mm-hmm. at the progression and evolution of the game in this country. I don't think it's talked about enough because it was sort of in the late 80s where you saw this um, – this complete switch of of mindset about what curling was going to be in Canada. Mm -hmm. That was the Olympic influence because Warren Hansen was hell bent on making curling this very sort of elite professional game. And they needed to, they needed to get the games to the 88 games in Calgary. They needed to get curling in there as a demo sport. And so they, you know, how are we going to fill TV time while curling's this game that's going to fill three hours of, (laughs) of airspace. And it might be longer than that. I think we should be playing eight ends, but let's not get into that debate. Um, But, but this is how it evolved. And then before you knew it, there were sort of these, the, the, the collateral damage that I believe the professionalization of curling has been pretty extreme at the grassroots level because we're seeing now in Canada this, this pie crust and, and sugary filling separation yep. of what it means to be a pro curler and really what's at the heartbeat of curling in this country. And that's all the clubs that litter the land, the frozen tundra, where beautiful night after night community plays out. And I'm concerned about it, guys. Sorry to take this serious, but I'm concerned about it because I'm looking at the future of of curling in Canada. Mm -hmm. We're not the powerhouses anymore. No, we're we're not. And, And, you know, for years we told ourselves this myth that the world is catching up. No, the world has passed Canada. Mm-hmm. Look at the last quadrennial going back to Pyeongchang. Yep. We're not winning medals or gold medals for that matter anymore. And I think there's a direct reflection of how isolated uh, the young grassroots curlers in this country have been from the elite. We've forgotten about, you know, how we got here. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think the success and future of curling depends on looking critically and introspectively about how we're treating our next generation and grassroots curling. I'll get off my soapbox, but that to me is what's at stake. I agree with well, you though. I agree with you. Cause I, I've noticed two things from, from playing, playing in my clubs, because I've, I mean, I've been playing curling, I mean, I had a gap in between like most people, you know, when you end up going to university and you can't afford it and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, I played, I started playing in the gate in the days of like no guard zone, right? <laughs> put a rock in, take it out, put a rock in, take it out. Hope someone flashes, score your two. Boring. And, and, yes, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I've played from then, right? Right, right, from right. From that point on. And, um, you know, I'm at, I'm at my club now. And, um, I think there's one team of women seniors that do anything play downs. That's it. There's almost no bond spiels. We have a lot of house spiels, right? But there's no really big bond spiels anymore. It's, uh, it's so hard because it's, there's maybe what three or four teams in the world that live, that can actually do curling full-time. Everybody has to have a side job mm-hmm. totally. it's that it's that level in between uh, the people that are very good 
there are sponsorships and whatnot. So they get to continue to be good, but to get to that level in between, I mean, I've, I've been curling, I think now for about 16 years, this, I don't know the first thing to do. I've been trying to compete to curl at a higher and competitive level. I can't get on a team. I can't find anyone. There's no networking. There's no, but there's just no way to do it. Uh, there's no way to find out if anybody wants to try to go to play downs. It, it, it's just not happening. And I guess. And a lot of people are not going because, well, I mean, I mean, you're not going to win. Don't... <laughs> yeah. You don't stand a chance. And, 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 and that you're getting at the heart of the matter, Douglas. And that is that, Two decades, three decades ago, there was the promise of surprise that all of these teams would show up at the provincial playdowns. And should you have a great week of curling in that one week in late January or early February, you were going to wear the Purple Heart and you were going to represent your province. And then you might go and have the best week of your life at the Briar Tankard and hoist that baby. The element of surprise is gone. I can tell you what five to seven teams are going to advance to the championship round. The element of surprise is gone, and you sure as hell ain't trying to get into your playdowns and putting the fees forward because you don't stand a chance. Yeah, and the other thing I've noticed that's maybe you know different or we that we have to change is before we had so much depth that. You know, we could afford to send a different team to the world every year. That's but right. now it's like, you know, Adin, I mean, how many times has he been to the world? I mean, whenever we have a new team that goes, this is their first time, their first experience. He's been there, what, 12, 13, who knows how many times. He's got that down. When he gets there, he, he can give his best performance. All the stuff, getting used to the media spotlight. We keep sending a new per, new team every year. The, the depth is not so not so much an advantage anymore. No, no. And, and the argument has always been if Kevin Martin you know, was able to go to as many world championships as Nicodine has gone to. He, how many would the bear have won? Right. I mean, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, a Dean has a record setting five world titles, but you're right. When you get to go to the world stage and you know how it's going to go and the bright lights and the pressure and all of that for these Canadian teams, we, we have always thought that that sort of grinded out style of the briar was sort of, grinding down you into this this diamond that was going to yeah. go get for Canada and I think it's actually having an adverse effect now yeah. these teams are exhausted to the to, to the point of a dean the Swedish Olympic curling teams were named uh two weeks ago at the beginning of June yeah they have months to yeah. kick back Mm-hmm. To know they have that spot booked. Meanwhile, guess what? Canadian curling teams are literally going to draw blood in December in my hometown of Saskatoon. Yep. And the last team, battered, bruised, beaten down, is going to, a month later, in the hoopla of Christmas and excitement and Olympic, blah, blah, they're going to go and try and compete at the Olympics. Yeah. I think Curling Canada's got to look at that time frame. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's too much pressure. I mean, it, it, <laughs> back in the day before we had the Grand Slams of curling and all that kind of stuff, you know, you yeah. can maybe do that. You know, this, but I mean, not not with the schedule now. Hello, kids. It's Mister Grizzly, your friendly neighborhood grizzly bear, who is asking you how much you like this program. 
And I'm asking you if, well, you like this show, you like what you hear, and we're happy to do this for you, if you'd be willing to, you know, throw us a couple of bucks as a tip. And the reason we do this, with the reason we ask this question is because there are some production costs involved. We're happy to give this to you, but, you know, feel free to send us a couple of dollars over uh, coffee.com. And now the website is ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver. Dollar, two dollars, 50 cents, whatever, whatever you can spare. It helps us with our production costs. Mr. Beaver. That's right, Mr. Grizzly. Uh, if you go to our coffee page, the recommended donation is $3, but it can really be anything you want. Um, less or more. If you happen to like this show, especially, um, we reinvest, uh, in the show. Uh, as you can tell, uh, the sound quality has improved since, uh, episode one. And, uh, you know, we want to see where this show can go. Uh, hopefully we can maybe get some correspondence, uh, one day, um, maybe film it, uh, for YouTube. Uh, if, uh, you guys have any suggestions of what you'd like to see the show become, of course, those are always welcome, uh, because, you know, we do this for you. Um, so yeah, uh, every little bit helps. And of course, if you can't afford anything and you just like the show, then please, you know, that's quite all right. Send us some comments. Let us know what you think of it. Uh, that means just as much to us, too. And don't forget the website, www.ko-fi.com backslash Eager Beaver. Thanks, eh? Oh, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I'm, I I was doing it. I was on the road for the slams and the, and the Briar and the Scotties and this event and that event. And I was exhausted. And I, I mean, I was tweeting. So I was mm. putting in the same amount of, of effort as, as them playing. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet but, that scream. Sweet that scream. Yeah, but, 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 but being on the road, is, <laughs> being on the road is still exhausting, though. I travel a fair bit for work. and. Yeah. You know, I well, as Douglas going to test, I I'm in and out of Kingston all the time. I know that's not, but it, it's like I'll drive down, I'll be in town right. for four hours, turn around, come right back to Ottawa. I'll have to go to Montreal. It's like always on the road. Uh, yep. You oh, that sounds so glamorous. No, it's not. You see hotel rooms and the workplace, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was glamour, and you know what? Listen. I still love love being in mm -hmm. the rink and mm -hmm. in the midst of this pandemic and in the wake of it, yeah. um, I have a completely new lease and perspective on what it means to be a sports reporter that's privileged enough to attend these events. Mm -hmm. And I've been reflecting a lot recently on what it is I do. What is the role of a sports reporter going to an event? Mm -hmm. Because I've been, I've been sitting here covering all of this <laughs> From my kitchen with my plants beside me thinking, yeah. wow, if I want dinner, I can take three steps and look into the fridge or I have everything I need around me. And so I've really been challenging myself to think, okay, why did we need to be at the events? Mm -hmm. And of course, I can make a pretty compelling argument because yes. my livelihood depends on it <laughs> as course, a sports reporter to my bosses <laughs> to send me on the road again as I get ready to go to Tokyo for two months. But 
I think what we need to do is we need to get back to storytelling. Mm -hmm. We need to get back to what it means to be in the venue and to be the eyes for the audience who isn't there to see the things that happen in the crowd, to see the exchange at the back of the sheet of ice between two players that was off camera that tells a story and provide analysis. We need to evolve in our storytelling to a place of just objectively regurgitating this, that, and then this happened to be a little more nuanced to say, I am the expert here. I've mm -hmm. watched thousands of hours of curling and this is what I actually saw today. I think if we can get to that place and get into a little bit more nuanced, humanity-driven storytelling, I think in the wake of this pandemic, we're gonna serve the audience a lot better. I've seen it because that's what I hear from the audience. That's my aim and everything that I cover. And I think it resonates with people, I really do. Nobody will ever know what it's like to be an Olympic curler, to be a professional athlete, but they do know what it's like to experience heartbreak, mm -hmm. triumph, yes. and every emotion in between. That's what I aim to bring in every sport I cover. Well, it's, it's something we can all relate to, right? Right. We can right. all relate to that, no matter what your walk of life is, no matter your age, your background, your, your cultural upbringing, we can all relate to triumph, tragedy, and heartbreak. That's it. That's it. Right. And, and we and, can all relate to play. Oh, yes. Yes. Right. Like this, we've all like this, whether it's like a really, really, really close game of Monopoly or right like this or being in it like this mm -hmm. and like feeling your heart go and yeah. you know, we can all like this and the, and the oh so close and right the, and, and oh my god i can't believe i i, I did that right yeah. we all and, know and that I, and haven't we been missing that yes, yeah god, right haven't we been missing so much see because see when you talk about the journalism side and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it like this because it segues to somewhere i wanted to go naturally yeah. is well, that is the, the thing with um sports journalism and i'm going to do a little aside here because in one way i'm a little envious of you because in one you know the movie sliding doors you know i'm that? so bad with movies okay. it's, it, people who know me know how horribly <laughs> ill-equipped i am with pop culture references i know sports i don't know movies but okay. continue <laughs> basically look at it's the poem you know two roads and i took one okay. path the other one okay it is the road when travel. I applied out of high school like this for university like this, I applied to three programs. I applied to arts and science at McMaster. Yeah. I applied to Slavic studies at University of Ottawa. Yes, I know. Really weird. And I applied to journalism at Carleton. Wow. I got accepted at all three, but McMaster gave me a full scholarship and art and science sounded like so like wild and unique. They only accepted 50 students. I got a full scholarship. Wow. There was a little bit of biology, a little bit of literature, a little bit of all that kind of stuff. You know, it seemed prestigious. So I went. I lasted one month. I came home. I did not like it. I did not mm. like it. The following year, I applied to Carlton again. I guess you can only turn them down once because they said no. Wow. <laughs> like this, it, it, didn't break my heart so badly because I actually got into dance school because I was a dance student and I didn't know you could go to university and dance. But that year I busted my leg. My dance career was over. <laughs> so I started university a third time. I ended up graduating in communications wow. like this. I ended up doing PR and media relations, which is something I know that you have done. 
practice. Yes, I and, have and, and run away from. <laughs> and the reason I wanted to be I wanted to be a journalist is because I wanted to be a sports reporter because wow. when the Olympics happened in Montreal in 76, I was three. I mm. didn't get it. And then we had the boycott of 80 like this. Yeah. So 84, I'm 11. And I'm seeing what is this thing, mm. this Olympics thing? Mm. And I was glued, glued, glued to the television. And I happened to pick a good year because, well, you know, since the Soviet bloc didn't show up, we won a lot of medals. <laughs> so it's like they, they played our song a lot that year. <laughs> so I maybe slid in, got a little skewed impression of how good we were. <laughs> but, it's, but I was hooked. Right. Then we had Seoul 1988 like this and the, the Olympics. Johnson and then what scandal. happened with Ben Johnson and my wow. heart broke. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Because it was like one, like I had bought the shirt that they sold at the bay like this, like with the long puffy when everything was oversized and had the big decal and everything. And no. I was wearing it and I was watching. And then like my heart broke and Donovan Bailey put it back together and Bruni Surin and yep. the, 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 oh, the, and the if relay you're team. Canadian, and, you love Saturday nights in Georgia. Yes, oh, you do. Oh, just, I, I was just, fortunate just, enough to, to uh, meet Donovan about a month later. Uh, Donovan Bailey and, and the four by 100 meter, meter relay team, Glenroy Gilbert, who was from Ottawa. Yes. My buddies grew up with Glenroy. I'd met Glenroy Glenn a bunch of times. So, uh, one of the local nightclubs that I was, I used to DJ at frequently, uh, had them in as guests. So they walked in and I'm like, Donovan Bailey, Glenroy. Hey Glenn, how you doing? Good to see you. Donovan kick that American arrogant, uh, arrogant Americans ass in Toronto. And he did, of course, at the Sky Dome when Michael Jordan, Michael Johnson, sorry, pulled up lame, right? In the 150 right. meter. Right. right. Yeah. Yes, yes, that yes. I remember that. showdown at the Dome and yep. it did not live up to the hype. I mean, it no. turned mm. out the way we all wanted it to. Yes. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, because he, he, he pulled his hamstring halfway down the track, I think. And, and of course, Donovan being jacked up at the time was like, ah, it's because he's lame. It's because he sucks. I'm like, oh, dude. Oh, shit. no, no, no. <laughs> he did come back later and say, you know what? I, I, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. But, I, you know, heat of the moment, right? Um, the world's fastest man was always the man who won the 100 meter gold in the Olympics. Totally. Yeah. And he did, and he did it in world record time. But then Michael Johnson does the 200 in world record time, and they sudden, you know, our, our, our friends to the south can't accept being second in anything. So suddenly he's the fastest man. It's like, whoa, hang on a second here. So, yeah, I, I had a chance to meet and hang out with them, and it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. You know, as I, as I hear you guys share these stories, and, and they're probably as vivid and alive in your mind right now as we talk about it as they were the moment you saw it. And to me, that's another thing that has become crystallized in my reporting and how I tell stories is we will remember the gold medal. Mm -hmm. But there's probably a singular moment in that movie imagination that you replay that that flickers in your mind that encapsulates that entire moment and that entire memory for you. Yep. And so what I try and do is I try and nail at the heart that moment that we are going to remember the bigger moment for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I'll, and I'll never forget being in Pyeongchang and and it was my first Olympics and being awestruck by the grandeur that was the five ring circus. 
and trying to figure out what it is about the Olympics that's so special. Like, really, what is it? Mm -hmm. What is the tangible wrap your hands around, arms around thing? And then I saw all these gold medal moments and I had Mm -hmm. to put words to these gold medal moments. And it became apparent to me that this is, to me, the the glory and the grace of the Olympics is that on that singular moment, on that day, in this person's expansive, large life, they were the best they could ever be. Mm-hmm. And to me, it that makes me emotional. Oh, yeah. That, that makes me so emotional. Yeah. And I'll never forget Ted Jan Bloman, the, yes. the Dutch speed skater mm-hmm. from Canada. Or yes. from, from the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who emigrated. Gets turned down by the orange crush. Yeah. Wanted to be a speed skating hero in a country that idolizes their speed skaters like curlers and hockey players mm-hmm. in Canada. Leaves and then beats his rival Sven Kramer. Yes. In the and t- he's a legend. He's a legend. Looks like Sidney Crosby. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's a legend. And, and. I'm, I'm watching this in front of me and I'm interviewing Ted and, and I'll never forget it. He goes to jump up on top of the podium and he can barely make it. Yeah. He, and he's so exhausted that 10,000 meters. Yeah. Yeah. So overwhelmed and so exhausted and his body shutting down. And I just thought if that doesn't typify the moment mm-hmm. of, everything this guy had to now ascend to the top of the podium he so desperately wanted to step upon and could barely make it up it that is a journey of olympic greatness oh yeah and and so to me um there i just love hearing how people got hooked on sport because there's magic there yeah. is magic in that and we carry it throughout the rest of our lives and it's that little flicker and you're hooked. Oh okay. yeah. Hello Mr. Grizzly. Hey, how you doing? I am doing very well. My name is Kranz. Do you like a good night out at the theater? Well, indeed, who doesn't? Come on, good mm. night out at the theater is always a good time. Then you may quite enjoy Studio 13's newest production, Crans and Bernardo, a new work by emerging Canadian playwright Tyler Matthews. Crans and Bernardo are trapped inside a cardboard box. Their task? To solve the mysterious algorithm scrawled on the walls around them. As time runs out, they cling to, care for, and abuse the only hope they have left. Each other. Starring Douglas Connors, Jordan Prentice, and Nathan Yee, Kranz and Bernardo explores the absurdity of life, death, and violence in the vein of Beckett and Pinter. Kranz and Bernardo is being presented as part of Kingston's Storefront Fringe Festival and can be seen live from August 5th through 7th at the Baby Grand Theatre. And if you prefer to enjoy theatre at home, you can take us home with you via streaming from August 2nd to 15th. For tickets and more information, visit theaterkingston.com backslash fringe hyphen 2021. Well, that sounds like an absolutely smashing idea. Perhaps I'll invite uh, my compatriots, uh, Sir Red and Sir Blacks, 
They like to go to the theater, you know. They are two uh, sophisticated gentlemen, sirs, who very much would attend an evening of theater. Well, then, we will try to provide them a night of entertainment. Magnificent, <laughs> sir. Magnificent. <laughs> See you there. Yes, sir. Well, kids, that's the end of the first part of our interview with CBC sportscaster Devin Haru. We hope that you've enjoyed it and that you will join us for the second part coming up very soon. The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver, Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Copy written by The Eager Beaver. Recording, production, and editing by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. And once again, Thank you to our founding sponsors, The Pepper Master, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.